Hey folks, welcome to the Mocha Juice. If you're new to our podcast, we're super happy that you made it here. And if you are returning, we're so glad that you are listening in again. This week, we had our wonderful friend Mike on the podcast, and we talked about some really interesting topics that happened this week. We hope that you all enjoy it. And if you're listening to this on a Friday, have a great Shabbos. Hey, Mike's here. Hey, Mike. How's the audio? Welcome to the Mocha Juice. You sound great. It's good to hear your voices. It's good to hear your voices. I just came back from joining my sister for a bar three class. Oh, like a bar? Like, is that like a bar class? I mean, bar spelled B-A-R-R-E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it's interesting. Um, What's a bar three class, though? Is that like the level? I don't know. I try to like get a sense of what it was. It's like a mixture between like those old Gilad videos and like yoga. <laughs> I'm actually looking this up now because I'm like, what's bar? Oh, bar three is like actually like there's there's studios. Yes. Yeah. So I believe it's oh, a chain and it's like nice. very positive and uh, upbeat. And nice. yeah. Nice. That sounds awesome. Well, not necessarily my cup of tea, but I, you know, my sister was, you know, my sister's very passionate about it and she asked me to join and I was like, oh. Yeah, why not? That sounds awesome. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, we could get started. Let's get started. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, welcome to the Mocha Juice. We're really excited to have you, Mike. I'm very excited to be here. Um, we thought we'd give like a little, how do we know Mike? How do we know Mike? Who is this Mike? Let's, tr- let's go back I think in you time. should start, John. Yeah. yeah. Well, I met Mike um, back in college at IDC in Israel. Um Years and years and years ago, you were living with my really good friend, Aton, Who is in town and in D.C. right now, who I've seen a few times. He's in town? Yeah, I've seen him a few times recently. Is he, like, in D.C. full-time? No, no, no. He's just visiting with Netta. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Uh, yes, I met through, through Aton, And actually, when you guys were in college, you had a local... You, were, you had a show on a local radio station... And I was a guest on your show. With Shelly and Nicole. And Aton. And Aton, right? Yes. And Aton. Yeah, exactly. And you were, you were working behind the scenes on the I was show, a technician. Correct? I spoke technician. very, very rarely. But uh, yeah, I was involved. It was fun. Good times. Yeah. And then after, after IDC, after a few years in Israel, um, like all of us, we returned back to the States because we hate Israel. No, no we, we, can't, um, we don't hate we Israel. Came, we <laughs> came back to the promised land. We came yeah. back to the land of opportunity. LOL. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we all, yeah, we all kind of came back around the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I m- met Mike at an event that John had. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for uh, For people like you. I believe mm-hmm. yeah. for the other mocha juice. <laughs> yes, so I, I, I was but, uh, the, I was the white sheep in that event. <laughs> yeah, to clarify, I I was organizing an event for uh, for Mizrahi Jews in New York City, and I will say that I do not like hanging out with most Mizrahi Jews that are not gay in New York City. Mm. Okay. No offense to anyone listening to this. Yeah, I'm like, Honestly, way, to, way to open up that funny, one. Considering John. my friend group in New York, I would actually happen to agree with John there. And I think okay. most of my Mizrahi friends are, in fact, gay in New York City. <laughs> that is true. I think you have more than me. And I'm actually gay and you're not. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, just to clarify, I no shade on anyone. It's just that... You know, Ashkenazi Jews in New York tend to be more liberal and open-minded, and a lot of Mizrahi Jews tend to mimic what their parents say. Uh, yeah, and I think that that's also fair to say about Israel many times. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's not just in New York or in the U.S. It's, it's really like that all around, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, and then all of them work in real estate. <laughs> and we love real estate, we love real estate. because we love business. <laughs> Mike has no idea what he got himself into. Yeah, I, no I, I have a good sense in that. Uh, I don't know if you know my cat, 
Jasper, but uh, mm-hmm. he is a he was pretty gutted the past two weeks because uh, he's a massive Trump supporter. Um, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it 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 just plays with his backstory. I mean, he was a street cat in Tel Aviv, and we scooped we scooped yeah. him up and brought him to the to the land of, of of opportunity. And you know, he's he's got a great life here, so why wouldn't he want to make America great again? Oh yeah, of course, of course. Now, um, ja- your cat Jasper's um, locksmith company is doing well, or locksmith. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually it's actually a front for uh, for several other illicit businesses. Um, ah, that, of course, selling Dead Sea products. <laughs> but of that. course. <laughs> Uh, Jasper, okay. <laughs> we love Jasper. Yeah. So it's been I, I I don't know like I have this list of topics I've received. Um, yeah, but I have to tell you, it's living in DC now, which is where I live. Um, mm-hmm. It's very exciting. It's just there's a sure. there's an energy here that is very different from New York in that you have that that large sense of gravitas, right? Like shit happens here. Um, but it's almost like every, everyone passes through. So like, you know, two weeks ago, it was just a massive block party when they called it for Biden. I, I imagine similar in New York, but I, w- I was partying outside the White House. So it was a kind of a different, a different vibe. And then last weekend was the, the MAGA rally, which was oh, quite right. a different vibe. Oh, yeah. How was that? Did you? I walk walked by the perimeter and uh, yeah, it was a bunch of clowns, you know, with flags and, you know, they're having a good time. And, you know, that's their right. I, I don't let Jasper leave the house. I won't let him uh, spread his toxic ideology. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, the rally was very interesting. Um, I did walk the perimeter and, and at the edge were the, all the Proud Boys were hanging out. Uh, they looked like they were looking for trouble. Like I could tell. So that was that was really interesting and and uh, concerning. And eventually they did clash that night with with Antifa. And then like that was crazy. That you know I was actually hanging out with Ant uh, with Aton on Saturday night when that shit went down. And you know we were hanging around the area, and just a you know a group of like twenty black block kids, you know, with their shields and their helmets and wearing black. It was pretty surreal. And that's yeah, no, it's 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 surreal, but it's also um, it's really fun to live here because all that stuff is just going down. Um, that is, yeah. I mean, we're living through a historic. Oh, undoubtedly. Right yeah. Um, I mean, I I'm kind of over living through history as I keep repeating. Also, we but, grew up. Look, we grew up uh, in Clinton's America, which is like if you were, yeah. uh, you know, anything above middle class, you know, was a fantasy land. You know, like between you know with post cold war before 9-11 was like this idyllic like time where you know you look back it was like a time warp back then and it's like it was essentially the 50s you know in many respects (laughs) prosperous you know america was strong crime in suburbs was low you know it was uh if you had money you felt like secure um and i think I think that was the anomaly. That's the thing. It's like mm-hmm. this time we lived in what we growing up felt like baseline. You know, everything after 2001 was just a total shit show. But, you know, if you look back at American history, that's been the norm for most of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it has. I mean, that was also the that was also the vision we were sold uh, sold on by for our sure. parents. You know, we were told that, you know, you go to college, you take out a very expensive loan, um, which I luckily didn't have to do. Um, and then you work and you uh, when you work, you get a job, you get married and everything will fall into yeah. line. And it's like, that's not the world we live in. We our generation was just screwed over. And I mean, we come from different backgrounds. Mm hmm. We lost him. Yeah, we lost him. We lost him. That's okay. We'll edit this out. Are you texting him or should I? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what keeps oh. happening. This is weird. Okay. Uh, it just kind of like cuts out. Uh, 
where did you leave me? Like, where did you last hear from me? Um, you were telling us that you, um, that we were, that we grew I, up I wouldn't differently. say we grew up differently. I mean, I wasn't with you guys growing up, but from the stories, it didn't mm-hmm. sound so different just on a day-to-day basis. Our families are obviously quite mm-hmm. different. Um, what, what, mm-hmm. I think for me, I always felt very American in that my grandfather's mm-hmm. grandmother was born in New York City. So, like, mm-hmm. my family goes back pretty far here. Uh, and I also come from pretty working class roots. Um, and, like, my family over the generations has, like, climbed up to be, you know, classic upper middle class Jewish family. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's, I think, education was always, like, yeah, like, really uh, stressed. And, um mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I agree. Like the vision that uh, we were sold, I think, was pretty ubiquitous throughout our generation, which was like, this is the track of success. You know, you go to college, you get a job, and you're in that job for life. Like that was essentially the, Mm -hmm. and you buy a house at age 30, you know? (laughs) And, And I think definitely after 2008, like that whole, that was all dispelled. It's just, it's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's a fantasy and it's, it's, yes. it's very unrealistic considering the, the, the current climate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just wonder if we're ever going to get back to a point that's similar to that. And I don't think that it will happen. I think we're going to be okay. In our lifetime? I don't want to say in our lifetime. I just... I, definitely not. I wouldn't service. count on it. I think, I just think the state <laughs> of the economy... And, 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 and the concept of employment has changed so much. I mean, think about how many people mm-hmm. are just contractors. I mean, myself included. Um, mm-hmm. And like the idea of being a secure full-time employee is just diminishing by the day. And then, yeah. uh, I mean, who would have thought that the whole economy would have shut down um, this year? And, and it, it's just, you know, it's a total clusterfuck. Am I allowed to say that? Okay. Yeah. 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 We mark all of yeah. our uh, podcasts as explicit so that we can curse because right. you the, know that's one of my favorite no words. No filter over here. <laughs> yeah. Clusterfuck. I mean, twenty twenty. Oh, a totally. Fuck. Yeah. This government's a clusterfuck. Everything's a clusterfuck. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's... somehow partying in D.C. when Biden was called, it almost it almost felt worth it. I mean, obviously, it wasn't. Almost three hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. have died already in this country alone um and but you know you think about that which is just undoubted is you know undoubtedly a tragedy and um mm-hmm. it's going to take a long time for for us to recover both emotionally and fiscally and all those things um but the, a friend of mine um a new friend of mine in dc actually she um she said that Biden winning felt like hope for hope, which I thought was a really uh, a good way to put it. And that it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't, mm-hmm. you know, s- seal up anything. All it did was give a glimmer of like, okay, like maybe we can head back in, in the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I'm still very, I'm very skeptical yeah. of the Biden administration, but uh, first he's got to yeah. get there first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people also on the left are saying, like, we recognize that he's won and that's great and everything, but that doesn't mean that we're not that we're going to stop here and we're not going to hold him and that administration accountable for the things that they've been mm-hmm. uh, promising and the things that we want to move forward. And I think that yeah, that's and really it's also just as well. not only a, a, a moral basis, but like strategically, like if we want to <laughs> win, we got to stand for something. We mm-hmm. do. We also have to. I mean, here's the thing. We. We're we're the Republican Party is 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 solidified the fact that they're going to be, you know, an authoritarian party. They don't give a shit, and we have to ensure that the Democrats win every chance they get. And it sucks if you don't fully agree with everything the Democrats do or the specific Democrats that you're 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 voting for. But that's the reality we're living in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, you know, like. 
you also want them to go in and get those Trump supporters. Those, I mean, in the end of the day, the Democratic Party is much better for the for working class Americans than the Republican Party. Undoubtedly, um, yeah. You know, even if even if they're like it's a sliding better, scale, still, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, it, how do you go? How do you go? What is what does the Democratic Party do from now until twenty twenty two, and now until twenty twenty four? To a solidify their power, but also protect democracy and get new voters. Are, are you asking me mm-hmm. rhetorically like, or okay? Rhetorically, you can answer. If you I want. mean, I think we're probably that's, all that's in what agreement. I'm thinking I mean, that, that's, I yeah. I am. I, I would say my philosophy and pers- political perspective is more like um, working class oriented. Um, I mm-hmm. think. You know, there's a lot of talk about identity politics. I think generally um, the focus, I think the, how would I describe this? Like the, that movement and the good intentions therein, I think it's creating the, the right conversations uh, to be had. Uh, but I don't think that it, to win, you're, you're not creating policy and having identity politics as a central issues is not a winning strategy. Um, Mm -hmm. I think universal policies to benefit, you know, the working class, things like, you know, a living wage, universal health care is probably my biggest thing. Um, You know, the kind of just the, the bullet points of social democracy, I think is, is what I align with. And, and, just the fact that we see such a bifurcation of of wealth and uh, wealth accumulation specifically um, that we need to start holding those people accountable who are just rigging the system, not in like a Giuliani rigging the system way, but in an actually, <laughs> actually, you know, with evidence, you can show how how you know, they influence the system to exclusively benefit the top 0.01%. And ultimately, I think mm-hmm. policies that will benefit univer- universally will obviously benefit people of color and people who um, have struggled historically with injustice and wealth accumulation and uh, equality, ultimately. Mm-hmm. I agree. My biggest concern right now is the fact that you have a, a voter base that won't believe anything you say and will probably, if you do anything good, will probably give that credit to the Republicans. Or the Republican Party will take credit for it. Let's say economy bounces back, X amount of million new jobs are created, uh, a new healthcare option is, is given... Um, we, you know, we invest in infrastructure. The Republican Party is gonna take the credit for that, and then blame the Agre- agreed. Else. And like that's, you know, and like how do you how do you fight that? Like you, you, we gotta fight that circle too. You know what I mean? Like we're that's that's why this this after after Biden was announced, I, I realized that we're we're still just in a struggle to 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 keep power. Like, I don't know how much is going to get done because we're going to have, like, a gridlock. Yeah, I think, I think Georgia getting both Senate seat, seats is a long shot. And even if we get all the Senate seats, you mm-hmm. still have, you know, your more conservative Democrats who probably won't get behind any progressive policies. Um, so right. I agree. I think it's going to be deadlock city. But the um, I, I think the biggest issue, uh, jumping back to one of the things you said is, you know, if these things happen... Mm-hmm if good policies are, are put into law and people benefit, I care much more about that than who takes credit. Like, I think that's, that's just mm-hmm. more of a rhetorical game and the Democrats will always cuck mm-hmm. out and the Republicans will always, you know, seize any opportunity to, to demonize and make them themselves look like, you know, the, uh, the victors and, and whatever, uh, my main concern is, is, like you said before, is the fact that we will have the polarization has gotten so intense, especially now with the quote-unquote rigged election discussion, 
Right. That, you know, what has been brought up for me, when you have so, you know, so much of the electorate just not believing in democracy itself and and, in the wheels that turn that keep the institutions alive and the legitimacy of the democracy. I mean, it's like this, you know, it, it feels almost like we're heading towards this pretty bad combination of like the fall of Rome and the Weimar Republic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we're seeing sure. this around the world. But it's happening so starkly yeah. here. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. And, and for a country that's so it, it largely populated uh, and, and has like a very large uh, system of government where it's, you know, on the federal versus state level, you have multiple systems of government. It is very stark. Um, but a little bit of comic relief in, in, in that. Did you guys see that press conference yesterday? It was, yeah. it was incredible. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a topic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I feel like... Yeah. No, they really couldn't. Write a better skit. I, fo- I follow this guy yeah. on YouTube named, named <laughs> Vosh, who I really, I really love. Um, and I recommend anybody who's in this political circle to check him out. Um, mm-hmm. and he, he, he's like one of these, like, you know, streamers and I'm not really into that, uh, that scene, but he just got such good commentary and is such a good debater and just so sharp. Um, mm-hmm. I think he does a very good job of deducing arguments on the spot. It's something like you don't see so much on the left. Um, mm. And yeah, so anyway, I watched his commentary like overlaying on this press conference. And it's just amazing. I mean, like Giuliani's hair dye, like he look <laughs> and, and just what they were saying, like um, you couldn't, you're right, you couldn't make the shit up. Like that, that they're, no, you yeah. couldn't make it up. I mean, their narrative just keeps changing and it's just getting more crazy. And it's a, it, it's, they really are like, this is like the best case of high Becerra. Like they're just like, <laughs> which translates into living in a movie, which I feel like totally, we're all living in a totally. movie right now. Yeah. Yeah. I also, there's so many, like some of the things, the, the overvotes in Michigan was completely false. There was no evidence to so many of the things that he was saying. Um, For starters, I don't understand why anybody thought that it was a good idea to pack a room with a bunch of sweaty reporters and people during a global pandemic. Um, This morning, actually, Rudy's son, who was Rudy, I call him Rudy, like (laughs) my friend. (laughs) Actually, my buddy Rudy, Rudy, actually, my cousin uh, Rudy, um, uh, his his son apparently tested positive um, this morning for COVID. Um, and he was allegedly, um, a New York Times reporter said that uh, he was in the back of the room yesterday. Um, and you just, you say to yourself, how did these people just decide that it was a good it's idea not, to put all these people in a room Angie, together right now? I mean, that, I know. that it's just so that frustrating. That tracks with the stories coming out of South Dakota where these nurses, I don't know if you've heard this, but these nurses are like watching people die of COVID and they're saying you're going like, you should say goodbye to your family. And all they can muster saying is I can't be dying of COVID. It's not real. Like it must be lung cancer. You know, it's, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's horrifying. I mean, it, 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 like these, yeah. our narratives are so entrenched and so divided and like everyone defines their, their reality in opposition to another person's reality. It's not even like positions of, you know, granular details of policy it's our realities mm-hmm. are being segregated and it's just crazy yeah and like that's that's exactly what's been going yeah. on and um that's why rudy apparently is getting paid 20 grand a day to uh to like get up there and just spew nonsense i doubt he believes any of the things he's saying because they knows they know that she's going to be eaten up, and it furthers their agenda of, um, you know, consolidating support around Trump and getting the money mm-hmm. to pay off their debt, which is a big thing. You've heard this, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. 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 Of course. 
and yeah. also just kind of preparing for what yeah. comes next in the Trump world. Like, is it going to be a, you know, uh, a TV station sure. or a media company, or is he going to announce his um, real his um, him running in 2024, which he'll probably announce and then not do it because he's a lazy I don't know. Piece I think he'll do it. Yeah. You think he'll run? Do you I think, think it's he'll possibility. win? We always think it's a possibility. Oh, Anything is a possibility like at this time. Yeah. After four years ago, exactly. we prepare ourselves All I know for is that the never convinced yourself that something is an impossibility. Donald fucking Trump has yeah. been our president for the past four years. The guy who we grew up with as this like weird buffoonish character on TV. Um, he was a cartoon. Yeah. And and then he became the president of the United States. So like He was my Halloween what, costume. School? Right. The back yeah. in college in IDC. No. I dressed up as him and it was a joke. And then uh he got the it, it happened and I was like, This yeah, is not a these, joke like, weird anymore. Bouts. This is funny. These moments, like when he was doing his whole like Regeneron info infomercial thing, um, and I I just Mm -hmm. burst out laughing, and I burst out laughing because it just it all kind of like historically clicks in my mind. I was like, oh wow, this person is president, and he is hawking pharmaceuticals (laughs) that he owns stock in, like on TV in like this really cheesy ad. It it was just surreal, just fucking surreal. Yeah. So, um, so what do we think will happen to Trump after um, all of this is done, right? Because we're saying we think today is the day that they uh, mm-hmm. finally certified the results in Georgia, right? Um, Monday, we're supposed to get uh, certification for Pennsylvania and Michigan. Uh, and then on the 24th is Nevada, and that's it. And then um, the election certified, and it's over. So what, what do you both think is going to happen um, with Trump once, uh, once elections are done? Um, so I don't think he's going to concede at all. He might kind of just approve the transition, but I don't think he's going to officially concede. That's my, my guess. Um, and then I think he's just going to, I mean, from my understanding, he's just going to fuck shit up as much as possible until, um, Joe becomes president on January 21st. I agree wholeheartedly. I think he, I think eventually he will leave. Uh, the Oval Office, but he will he will never concede, and he'll never he'll never admit that it wasn't rigged. Uh, he will, in fact, I think, use that narrative yeah. to then create that whatever you know media channel, whether it's digital or cable or whatever. He'll use that to consolidate support um, to take viewership around mm-hmm. uh, away from Fox News and even OAN. Um, and like, he, look, ultimately, he he's after the money. Like and the leg his legacy mm-hmm. yeah. matters to him in the eyes of his supporters more than anything else at this point. And so, as long as he's able to uh, dupe mm-hmm. them and, and consistently galvanize them around him, which he will do successfully, he will do it successfully. Um, then we are we have in, in, we have uh, an institutional, you know representation of Trumpism. It will no longer be, um, mm-hmm. you know, j- just dependent on candidacy or uh, being in office. It will be a permanent institution, Trump's, Trumpism, mm-hmm. which is which is dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. And it will also inspire people across yeah. the spectrum to do the same um, because it's, it's a successful formula. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Doom, doom and gloom, y'all. Yeah, I think. An- yeah, <laughs> I think another big topic is: Are we going to impeach terrible, him twice? Are we going to have a idea. situation oh my where we're going to have a really interesting? Well, I mean, why is it a terrible idea? Besides for the fact that it's it? good for our history. What's the books? utility? What's the utility? Nothing. We, we, oh no, absolutely. We, we get nothing. There out is of it. nothing besides like, for the fact that it will go into history. Thankfully, no, he didn't bomb Iran. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's still some time left while he's in office, you know. Like, yeah, he's uh, apparently all he's getting troops out of a bunch of places, right? He's, he's all that happening. Like, people are dying in this country. People are going to starve and be evicted, and he can't fucking handle that. 
He can't. Mm-hmm. He can't take care of. He can't just be a president for one no. minute. Be a leader. It is sad. It's also really sad that we live in a world where um, there isn't a proper transition. Yeah. You know, I feel like even throughout history, it's just been so it's it's just been a given, you know, like we've kind of just assumed and even Obama kind of accepted it was the, next day. the White House. I think it was the next day, right, where he had him. Yeah. Also yeah. Hillary. And it's, it's, yeah. It's just really um, it's a shame to see that this is the way that it's going down now. But um, I think Biden and, and, you know, everybody that's working with him and the folks that he's chosen I, I are just well think we aware of that and they're prepared that for that. What we have considered normal until this point will never return. As soon as, as, soon as you recognize that, the yeah. sooner mm-hmm. we can approach the future without, you know, overwhelming trepidation. And because otherwise it'll just debilitate right. everybody. Like we'll, we'll, we'll drive ourselves crazy. Like mm-hmm. the landscape is shifting and we need to shift with it. And um, and there's opportunities there too. There's opportunities for legitimate change. I I agree. Yeah. I mean, we should also be thankful that the majority of the country right. rejects Trumpism. We just unfortunately the majority of the country doesn't, you know, dictate politics. Yeah. Well, also, <laughs> politics is still seen as this kind of yeah. lofty thing that like doesn't affect people on a day to day. Uh, and it's if not that and it's right. some abstract team that you're a part of just out of sheer opposition for the other side uh, but and that's why i still really believe in local politics i think that's ultimately where things will draw up that i mean if we see if we're talking about like you know progressivism it's all coming out of congress right now and that's where it's going to start and it's going to continue up through mm-hmm. the senate and ultimately the white house it's going to be a process but it starts locally and mm-hmm. And it starts, right. you know, QAnon's the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, right. so, you know, there's hope, but there's also gloom and there's also uh, opportunities. And we just got to, the ground is shifting beneath our feet. So we just got to like look down and figure our, figure our shit out. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm actually, I don't feel alarmed in any way. I don't feel really panicked or worried about any of the things that they're doing or saying right now. I feel like it's really all just getting debunked and everybody's just like, this is all BS. Um, And I don't think that much can be done with it. So I'm very not concerned about it. I feel like after, after the elections were done, I just like felt like such a sense of relief. Um, And now everything that they do is just a joke to me. All of it from the hair dye to Pompeo's visit. What I really hope for is that this is kind of what we're experiencing around the world is like the last gasp of romantic nationalism. Because I do think that many Mm -hmm. of modern problems are, you know, because of the romanticization of nationalism. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, Michael Moore said something very similar about Trump. Um, he predicted that Trump was going to win in 2016 mm-hmm. and basically, basically said like, this is like the last stand of the white man in America is Donald mm-hmm. Trump. Um, because a, we also have to remind ourselves demographics of the United States are changing. Um, younger people tend to be more liberal. Yeah. And they're, they're grabbing onto power in any possible way they yeah. have, they can, you know, in many, you know, obviously mm-hmm. in many illegitimate ways. Um, it's very obvious and it's and, very obvious. and they, they have really no shame about it yeah and no they don't need shame though they really don't yeah they can do whatever they want at this point they realize they they will you know the the left will kick and scream or liberals will like call them out but it doesn't matter right. Just, their base will yeah. support them mm-hmm. <sighs> okay yeah. so mike pompeo um... Mike Pompeo, yeah, is becomes the first Secretary of State and also the most senior U.S. official to visit the Golan Heights, um, and also the most senior U.S. official to visit an Israeli settlement. Um, it's a pretty big, pretty big deal. Um, he paid a visit to mm-hmm. uh, Psagot, uh, the winery uh, close to Ramallah, um, and uh, made a, sort of a declaration. 
that um, pro-Palestinian boycott movement is anti-Semitic. Um, a lot around also now um, switching. There, there's all you know this. Uh, up until now, every time a, a product from the West Bank was coming out, like those wines, um, it would have to say something like a product from the settlement um, from the West Bank. Um, and now mm-hmm. they're just trying to change that to just say from Israel. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to also hear what a lot of political analysts are saying about it to, to them. Um, it seems more like kind of this audition, uh, for 2024, you know, he's trying to figure out his political life after Trump. He's maybe also playing a little chess with Biden, right? If Biden goes back on some of the moves, um, that maybe Trump and Pompeo kind of put in motion, um, then he'd be seen as anti-Israel, um, which is, you know, what a lot of folks are believing that the Trump is anyone fucking is trying surprised? to do right now. Like, actually? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no. 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 And it's, and for everybody, if anybody, you know, if, if there are people that are actually following this, you know that on, um, you know, on November 12th, um, Israel approved mm-hmm. the construction of another 100 new housing units in East Jerusalem settlement um, in Ramat Shlomo. Um, they also announced another 1,200 um, new tenders for settlement construction uh, in uh, Givata Matos. Um, so it's nothing new, right. right? It's just it's just a continuation of stuff that's not getting uh, enough uh, coverage on the news, in my opinion. Um, yeah. No, I mean, first of all, I mean, I definitely want to go on to the topic of like BDS, the boycott movement and anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Um the movement itself, like I'm, listen, I'm not pro BDS at all. Like I'm not a BDSer, mm-hmm. and I'm very critical of Israeli policies specifically towards Palestinians. Um, and I don't support BDS, but it's not an anti-Semitic movement. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a non-violent, peaceful movement. Well, for the most part, I mean, you, some people might disagree with me, but it's it's a non-violent movement to end the occupation of the West Bank and, and the siege on Gaza. And obviously there are other, uh, they, they have other things like they agree on um, uh, right of return for Palestinians and other things, but that in itself is more policy. That's, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't agree with a lot of their tactics and I think a lot of their rhetoric can be anti-Semitic. And I think a lot of their supporters can say things that are anti-Semitic and it can be problematic and we should call them out and hold them accountable. But I don't think the movement itself is anti-Semitic. And I think stopping it is goes against our first amendment, which is freedom Mm -hmm. of speech. You should be allowed to boycott Mm -hmm. something you don't like. You know, I boycott stuff that I don't like all the time. I'm a vegan and I don't buy meat. Every That's day. boycotting something. Exactly. If I don't like a company, if I don't want to give my money to Russia, if I don't want to do this, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, do I think boycotts work on, uh, you know, if you boycott a country or you hold, put sanctions on a country? I don't know if they work. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the BDS movement's going to work, but that's a separate conversation, you know, mm-hmm. but it, is it anti-Semitic? I don't think it's inherently anti-Semitic. Yeah. I um I agree with that. I don't I don't think that it's anti-Semitic either. I think that everybody has a right to choose what they're going mm-hmm. to buy, where they're going to buy it from. Um, and if you don't feel like supporting a specific winery um, because of its location, that's totally on right. you. I choose to not go to certain restaurants because um, of their lack of vegan options, for example. Um, and I won't necessarily settle for something um, just because, right? That's that's up to me. That's something that I do. Right. Um, I won't go to Home Depot, right? Like there's there's certain places that like I prefer not to give them my right. money. Um, and that's that's up to every single person, right? Like people boycott Amazon. Right, and they're allowed to do it. I, I don't go to Chick-fil-A because yeah. they donate, they used to donate money to anti-gay think, causes. Yeah. Like it's I not- I think like mm-hmm. the, an- it's all the these anti-BDS yeah. legislation is so short-sighted. And so it's good. It, it, it just backfires. So all you're doing at least- and this is what scares me the most is when people on the right will weaponize anti-Semitism um, as if they're, you know, being some valiant people, you know, to save us from the evil left. Um, I, I think totally getting into Israel-Palestine is, it's tricky. Um, 
but I think, you know, yeah, I would say BDS is no, no more anti-Semitic than BLM is anti-white, if that makes sense. Uh, I, I mean, I, um, I'm not in like a statistical maybe. way, just like in terms of characterizing yeah. why these organizations aren't inherently anti-X um, in, in that I, I really do believe that you can be an anti-Zionist without being an anti-Semite. Um, I believe that very strongly. I think there's a, a Venn diagram where there's a lot of fucking middle ground, but um, it depends on on how you're presenting your your case. And BD and uh, you know, organizations like BLM and BDS mm-hmm. are so they're so decentralized, um, uh, at least from my perspective, that it's it's you know associating with a movement that vague isn't like it's not you're not you're not car, a card carrying party member you know there's no um and right. there's undoubtedly anti-semitism within the bds movement i mean you even have people like uh finkelstein uh norman finkelstein like uh him he, he's you oh, know yeah. pretty much backed away from the movement because he was saying like there's anti you know and this is a guy who is often ruthless in, in terms of his rhetoric against Israel. And he's like, there's anti-Semitic, you know, rhetoric being, you know, floating around this organization, which I can't align with. And also one of the things I respect about Norman Finkelstein is that mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's consistent. So his whole thing is, is about, you know, international law. And um, he somehow determined that BDS, what BDS was supporting was against international law. I don't know. I, I think I'm probably mixing something up there, but uh, all I know is that him and uh, BDS had had this big beef and now like Norman Finkelstein is excised from the pro-Palestinian community, ironically. Um, very interesting. Oh I mean, God. recently I've actually, I mean, I, I think wow. the world has kind of been doing this for a long time, but I've lost faith almost entirely in a two-state solution. Um, I've become much more of a one-stater in in the last few months. Yeah, I've. Wow. I've. Be- yeah. We might. I feel yeah. like we need a whole episode to dedicate just to we, this. Topic. We should. I mean, I I've also shifted from a two-state to a confederation of two states. Yeah, I mean, I'd be with cool with that too. Um, I just. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think oh, the 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 big. Uh, the big elephant in the room is often going to be Gaza. Uh, and yeah, yeah and, no matter um, what, it's going to be Gaza. I've been le- watching a lot of YouTube debates. Um, there's this guy, Rudy Rochman. Have you guys heard of him? So he's got a really interesting perspective. Yeah, I I mean, know. A lot of people will probably mm-hmm. call him like a Zionist shill or something. But um, ultimately, he's got some very interesting perspective um, vis-a-vis APAC and foreign aid and the fact that he he wants a one-state solution like he wants it um he probably he's very vocal about the fact that he'd like that to be israel but he's the way he sees that ultimate state um is not like your naftali bennett style you know annexation um where it's essentially just you know it's still apartheid um and i think you know giving Mm -hmm. he's very good about both sides you know acknowledging each other's grievances legitimizing each other's grievances um and using that and just creating more dialogue to eventually you know choose choose as as you know two peoples what they'd like to do together because ultimately this this is this cannot continue without cooperation in some way right and right now the cooperation we have is between you know Israel and the PA, which many just see as a puppet to the occupation. So it's not sustainable. Right. Right. I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, interestingly enough, I went, um, so a year ago, I went on this community-based tour of Israel. We would go to different intentional communities that have been created around Israel. And one of the intentional communities that we went to was in the West Bank. And it was, um, I forgot what junction. It was like a very well-known junction in, in the West Bank, I think near Efrat. Um, I forgot the name. Um, but it was called uh, Roots, uh, Shorashim. 
uh, I forgot the name in Arabic, but it was a, a community of Israel, religious right-wing Israeli settlers and Palestinians who live in the West Bank under occupation. And I they acknowledge that's, that's each the key, other's man. That's just like... They, yeah. And, that's the key. And look, the ideology, that's the, the political ideology, yeah. ideology of those settlers is that, you know, they think it's everybody's... Uh, they, they, look, they think it's, it's the Jews' land, but <laughs> many of them... Um, care more about the land than they do about the uh, national identity. I mean, maybe that's probably a stretch, uh, but they care more about it having the land than having. They it yeah, they Dafka believe in a one state themselves. I think. Yeah, yeah, they definitely believe in a one state, and I think they believe in. I think a lot of them, if you actually break it down, a lot of settlers are willing to live with their and, Palestinian neighbors. I just wish there were the, more the whole The whole big shit about this thing is that, like, at the end, we're talking about, you know, European-style states, you know? And that, that's, I think that's a linchpin, is, like, right. that's why all this got so fucked up, you know, after World War One, And that's why I would consider myself more or less a post-nationalist, because, I, I mean... So many of this problem is 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 based around national identity and the idea that we're still talking about having, you know, ethno states and, uh, you know, into the 21st century, and of course there are very powerful ethno states out there like China, uh, but by and large mm-hmm. when we're talking about European style statehood, like, you know, multi-party parliamentarist parliamentary systems, like. And this is very, you know, abstract, but like how, how and how the fuck can an ethno state just exist peacefully? It can't, it can't. And I think Israel has been an amazing experiment and ultimately Zionism, quote unquote, has been a success, you know, like we've both, we've all lived in Israel right? and we've seen the good sides of it and we've seen the bad sides of it, but it's a functioning state um, with, you know, that's been doing pretty well for itself and it, but it's just got this like, right. Pretty, uh, it's got skeletons in its closet that it won't acknowledge. And because it won't acknowledge it, it can't, uh, it won't be fully accepted into the international community. And that it's a shame. And it's, it's, it's just, it's so complicated, you know, as, as such a strongly identifying Jewish, Jewish person, uh, to both admit that Israel is necessary and unsustainable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a very similar feeling towards it. I mean, both Angie and I, um, specifically because our families kind of went to Israel because we had no other choice. Um, yeah, both sides of my family, my family fled to Israel. Um, with with nothing they you know they came with like one suitcase it was one of those stories where they came they had everything taken away from them before they left and and they came and lived in a transit camp and then they built their life from scratch again and they built this beautiful family and this beautiful life for themselves and for like their you know for my parents and for us and so in that sense Israel was a success you know like you know like it's Mm -hmm. a very important place for me you know, it's a, it's a second home. It's always going to be a home. I always have a bed there. I always have community. I always have family. As long <laughs> as you can uh, recoup all the money that you have to owe to Achlomi. <laughs> Wait, Angie. <laughs> Way to ruin Sorry. my moment, Angie. <laughs> Sorry, love you, but I got to tell Israeli you the truth, man. Israeli you. gotta kill you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I still have a significant debt to be to Achlomi, but I'm pretty sure I paid it off. It just, it just, it finds a way to biting back. Um, <laughs> don't we all? Bitoaklo me is social security. I mean, these are all, these are all very interesting and important conversations because as you know, you guys have experienced it right. much, much right. more closely, you know, in your family history and why the idea of having like a Jewish uh, s- safety net internationally is crucial. Um, and, yeah, it's mm-hmm. so it, it's hard to talk about a one state solution without talking about inherent 
you know, uh, inherent, uh, how do I say this, like uh, stipulations of protections for certain peoples. And then that's where it gets all, you know, muddied and stuff. Right. I mean, a big thing is, you know, when you talk to, you know, more, more like the anti-hardcore Palestinian activists. And I would, I would admit right now that if I could guarantee a peaceful, harmonious one state that was secular, not Jewish, not Palestinian in nature, I would accept it. Um, as you know, if Hebrew was still mm-hmm. spoken in, in 60% of the country or whatever, if, you know, how there was still, you know, businesses took off for, for Hanukkah and they took off for Ramadan, you know, like, I think that could be a beautiful situation. But when somebody starts saying that, no, it should all be Palestine um, and it should be, pal- you know, it should be Palestine in nature, the, this, the question comes up of, okay, what do, you, what do you do with the Jews? And if that's, if that's answered in a way, it's like, no, it, it right. should be a secular state mm-hmm. and Jews should have equal rights. Um, then I'm like, you know what? I mean, I agree with you hundred percent, but I can respect your, your, you know, your goals. I can respect it. It's not my ideal situation. Um, mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I think that people who truly understand this a lot, and I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, mm-hmm. is, are, are Palestinian citizens of Israel. And uh, and I remember listening to a podcast where they interviewed um, uh, this Palestinian woman who won um, Master Chef Israel, and she's not. She kept her pol- her politics kind of personal, and she's not. You know, she's very engaging with Jewish community in Israel with Jews, and she she teaches. Um, she teaches like uh, Palestinian cuisine, which she calls it Arab cuisine. Um, and she kind of like, you know, she is bothered by people taking that and calling it Israeli food. But at the same time, she calls Israel a which mosaic is. of different. I mean, that's an, ac- that's an accurate depiction. I mean, you go on a Boston Tel Aviv and you see every color in the and, rainbow. And I th- yeah. And, yeah. You literally do. And I think, I think that's the way we look at Israel. You know, we look at it as it's a multi ethnic society that needs Uh to you know unify in a sense and and i think i think we we got like acknowledge that part but also like if we have and and going back this is kind of why i support um a confederation of two states and i'm not really anti-nationalism i think people should be able to keep their nationalism but we would have i think an even more successful country economically and socially if we work together I think I we agree. can have an economic power. And I think, I mean, think about how much money, you know, I think is spent yeah. on the military and defense. I mean, you can say the same with the U S um, right. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And there's a lot of money that's made right. in defense spending. Uh, but I agree. I mean, if you're spending a lot less on defense and, you know, you have more the amount of soldiers at that time who are 18 who could otherwise be, you know, getting involved in, in productive careers at the same time, um, you know, with all that innovative energy that's in that country. Um, and, you know, Palestinians have learned how to survive under such extreme circumstances, I think there's a lot to be learned from them as well. And I agree. I think, you know, peace, Mm -hmm. peace and prosperity go hand in hand. I agree. I agree. And I think it's not going to be easy. And I think we're a long way ahead, but that is the world. That's kind of the country I'm envisioning is, is just a very successful country that works together. And I think it's possible. Also, I'll say that, you know, there's, there are billions mm-hmm. of dollars being poured into both sides of the conflict. And, and they're meant to solve yeah, the conflict, people. but what they do is they perpetuate yeah. the conflict. They do entrench people. And I was, like, being in the military, like, my job was to manage donations that were being sent to the Palestinian Authority and into, the, into Gaza and all that. And the amount of money just being thrown at this as like, it's like a problem, so we're going to throw money at it. Is, is incredible. It's just a lot of money that is, is essentially just is just managing and maintaining this, 
this conflict. It's just uplifting. If 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 that money, if that if those funds were on both sides were were being poured into a productive, uh, into a into like a into building a, a productive and successful yeah. state. Sometimes I wonder better. also if I'm just coming from an extremely privileged position where like I'm you know hanging out talking you know theoretical statehood and you know problem solving you know i'm i'm not right. suffering i'm not suffering in the, in the least and i think there's so many right. people over there that it's just such an emotional issue for them i mean they've lost family members i'm talking about quote-unquote both sides of the conflict yeah. that the to to come back right. from that from the brink like that and this we're talking about a lot of fucking people I think those people won't go quietly. They they won't submit to this kind of holistic view very very easily. Um, I, I do find the those debates with Rudy Rochman like to be really encouraging because it, it's really just like disagreement through a human lens is really encouraging. But even so, them you know even though the people that are having these conversations have also lost family members and friends and. Uh, they've kind of risen above the, the need for revenge and anger. Uh, I think it's just a sliver <laughs> of the populace. And I don't know, right. like I'm trying not to, I, I, I have kind of given up personally on seeing that region the way I hope it will end up in my lifetime. I'm hoping. I, I I think something drastic is going to have to happen um, because uh, the like question said, is: is, is that drastic thing diplomatic um, and or is it military? Well, I don't know. I can't knows. answer yeah. that because I don't know. I hope it's the. I hope it's diplomatic, um, but I'm again like you know. I think something. I think the last major thing that happened in that region was. Um, the siege on Gaza. Am I, am I correct there? I think in terms of like any, yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we're talking only specifically well, about I'm Gaza. Talking about just because you know in the nineties we were gonna we were gonna um, give up land and then and then we went back to peace yeah. talks and then um, and then I think the latest thing to happen. Was was it two thousand six when two thousand five we gave up Gaza? We disengaged from Gaza. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I mean, I'd even add to that just because I think that that was maybe the last thing that got a lot of um, a lot of attention mm-hmm. in the media. But there's a lot of things that have happened since then that just haven't gotten as much attention. Right, but I'm um, saying the separation ter- wall, like giving up territory. It's not. It's it's not seceding territory. Oh, that was following. But I think yeah. It's become such a, yeah. a symbol of division, you know, literally, but also at the same time, mm-hmm. it quote unquote worked, you know, and that's a, that's the whole debate about it. It's like, you know, you create yeah. a big wall, you know, and, you know, terrorism just plummeted and um, yeah, but at the same time, it's the short term versus long term strategy because what it did is it separated the two top two populations like never before. So the dehumanization went through the roof. Um, and I think that in turn has made coming together that much more difficult. And um, yeah, I mean, I think we could see in our lifetimes potentially like a Berlin wall situation where if the populations do get too so fed up with the mm-hmm. propaganda and they get so fed up with being told by Western powers, you know, how it should be in their, in their land. And the more, more of these kind of settlements, these, you know, unified settlements arise, we could see people just go and, and dismantle it, which would be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, hope yeah. I'm there for it. <laughs> I agree. Um. Okay. So, Mike, I are you ready to get a little excited. a little silly with us and not talk about something as serious? 
Okay, so John and I have decided that we're going to start thinking of random conspiracy theories. Um, And this morning, a thought came to mind um, on where the fuck does Trump find these people? Um, And I'm going to start a conspiracy uh, theory that it might be on OnlyFans. I've heard of it. I've heard heard of it. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. John, take it away. Okay. I mean, um, yeah. Well, OnlyFans are for, you know, you can start this little page that you sell a subscription to. And uh, it's this only is a big thing for like, people and you who can show whatever you want to show. Right? Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like. Yeah. Yes, you know yeah. Cardi B. Well, Cardi B, Cardi B doesn't know, do anything uh, sexual on it. Trisha Paytas. She calls it know. only. So you, you believe that Trump is, has set up a page? Only Trish. So, yes. Um, I mean, maybe just, you know, finding these folks on OnlyFans. I don't know. I mean, I won't be surprised if he started an OnlyFans. He needs a lot of fucking money. money. <laughs> Can you imagine Trump's content, though, on OnlyFans? Can we talk oh, about he, what that You know like? what? My, my guess is that his next move is starting an OnlyFans. Yeah, because the dark side of OnlyFans isn't adult material now. It's going to be politicians. Um, I would pay money to see. Um, oh, did you wait? Wait, wait, wait! Did you guys? Did you guys Trump see um, Sassy Justice? <laughs> oh my God, guys! No, what's Sassy Justice? <laughs> Sassy, Sassy Justice. justice? Should we stop everything we're doing right now and look at it? Oh, it's a it's a show. It's a YouTube show. Sassy Justice. Sassy Justice. This sounds. Michael Caine explains how to spot a deep fake. Is that what you're talking about? Taking the blindfold off of justice. All right. What does Wikipedia say to us? Um, it uses deepfake technology to insert unrelated celebrities and politicians into the fictional world of a television reporter. That is crazy. Oh, wow. The first episode was on October 26th. Okay, we're not that behind, John. I was starting to feel like old. I was like, I mean, like, a lot has damn, happened since October 26th. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, I've been focused on a lot of stuff since October 26th. I've been 26th, evangelizing like, the, show, the fact that I might and, have missed this um, is, you know, it's, I'm a big it's South okay. Park it's fan. kosher. And um, so, Matt, Matt and Trey. Okay. Uh, having to work at this for like around yeah, eight same. months or so. Um, and they put their own money into it. And it's, I, I think it's an absolute re- like wow. re- revelation. I was on the floor. Uh, actually, I shared this with, uh, with JD. I'm surprised I didn't tell you about it. Um, and I was crying. Nice. It was, I was amazed. No. And it's, it's great. Uh, this There's is awesome. one, one cameo specifically that just yeah, floored same. me. I it was just so funny and the way it was done and I um mm-hmm. I, I just want you guys to watch it and you won't you won't be disappointed. Angie, you might think it's stupid. Okay. John, I think you'll like it. I'll probably like it. I like stupid <laughs> things. Um Okay. I will say that one show you should watch, and I might have told you twenty thousand times already, is years and years. You're telling and me. And I think it's just more mm-hmm. fitting. For I've this seen year. it. Mm-hmm. We did yeah. talk about it. It's a good show. We talked about did it in I real tell time. You? Did we talk like about when this? it was coming out? Okay, I'm an idiot then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, John told me it's about an it too. A while show. Ago and had Remember? Me watch it too. I only watched wait, it because wait. of you, John. It, yeah, it really is. I just put myself through it only because of you, but I was I felt like sad and lonely and yeah, the entire time. I, I it was will just say too this, real. Mike, the last time we all hung out was I think January. Oh my February, god, this is before you're right. Oh my god, I remember that. On Netflix. And I remember yeah, John, you were yeah, saying yeah, like right we're talking about like one person on the subway and we're all fucked. I just remember that. Like you saying that line. Oh my god! And I actually remember registering yeah. that, like when COVID, like yeah. officially like, proliferated, um, that um, yeah, I was like, how yeah. ironic is that? And, and honestly, I remember. I think the last time we might have all hung out was on my birthday, February. Yeah, 
it was. Yeah, so I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Kobe is still a friend out. of mine. And um, mm-hmm. I remember at the time calling him crazy. He was like, right. I'm not taking the subway anymore. This was early February. I was like, oh, it was like you and your, you know, stupid, you know, programmer right. websites, like, mm-hmm. you know, for all your, you know, fringe tech websites, you know, they're all saying X, Y, and Z. I was like, you're being crazy. And at some point I just turned around, I just told him, I was like, dude, you were right the whole time, the whole fucking time. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like spinning and, around your city. Wow. What a journey, huh? I know. I know. Yeah. Who knew what I we felt know really now? guilty actually because, happen. um, yeah. that birthday party of mine, like I remember later in the day, I was like feeling not so good. And, um, I had this like weird chesty cold and then like it felt better. And then I had it again and we had just come back from a wedding in Milan, uh, where at the time, like two weeks later, it was like, was the right. epicenter, uh, mm-hmm. on the planet. And we were at a wedding where we knew people who had died from COVID at that wedding. So like looking back, I was so sure I had it without realizing it. And like, I just felt so guilty because I realized like I must've spread it everywhere. Um, I did get an antibody test, which came back negative, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows it's anything? so great catching up with you guys. Hi. Well, it's been a pleasure, folks. It really has been amazing, Mike. Happy to be um, back. I'm really glad that you joined us today. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely we have some more topics to talk to you about. I feel like we can uh, <laughs> we could definitely use that. Outside of our Bendod Woody. <laughs> now we have also our Bendod Mike. Well, hap- All of our Bendodim. The cousins. Ah yes, Bendodim is cousins. Yeah. Yeah, we love latte, especially in Armoca. Yes. Ktatot milk. Sugar. Sugar. Okay. Well, I hope everybody has a good Shabbos. Stay safe. Number one priority. Wear a mask and don't let your shit drip. Bye, everyone.